Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast. I am your host, Michael Duggar, and today we conclude our NBA divisional reviews, summer summer reviews, quick little season previews, um, series. We've gone through all, I've gone through five of the six divisions, and we conclude today with the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. And this team only had one. I think I believe. Let me double check. Yeah, they were the only division in the NBA to only get one team in the playoffs, but that team went on to win the the NBA championship. And we'll start right there with the Golden State Warriors, who are every the overwhelming favorites to, to three beat for the title. And adding DeMarcus Cousins to the mix will only support their claims to capture their third title in a row. And looking at their roster, they didn't really do much to it. They lost Javel McGee. They brought in um, Boogie, as I said, um, Jonas Yurebko, who's a nice, he can play four of the five, nice um, shooter, floor spacer for them. And besides that, only really big signings you could say, or not even big signings, is they brought in Tyler Ulis, who's a journeyman point guard from, not journeyman, third, like third or fourth year point guard from, from um, he got waived by the Phoenix Suns and he came to the Golden State Warriors. So, and they drafted Jacob Evans, who's a six foot six experienced shooting guard out of Cincinnati, who I like a lot. And he has toughness shooting, can do a little everything. So he'll be a nice backup to Clay Thompson and the other guards in this in this team. But a move that kind of probably the most shocking move of the offseason, not necessarily the biggest or like shift shaped you know, like shift shaping the one that's something that like changes the magnitude of the season or the of the the balance tips to scales of the balance of the NBA, but when Boogie Cousins signed for the Warriors, myself included, we all overreacted as an NBA community because we said, oh man, they added a top 20 player in terms of numbers and production that, you know, when healthy, when he gets to full strength, if he does, gives this team another element, gives them a... You know, KD, you can throw the ball to Kevin Durant and he can post up and stuff like that. But now they have a legit back-to-the-basket threat at any time. He can shoot threes. He can put the ball on the floor. He can pass. He's one of the best rebounders in the NBA. And he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. And you add him to this mix in a lineup with Steph, Clay, KD, and Draymond, you're thinking, oh, man, those are five All-Stars that... Are tough to bounce. Are t- they're they're tough to match up with, regardless. And then you th- add in Boogie Cousins to the mix. It's just it's just a headache for people. But you know, on name alone, I was taken aback by it. I thought, you know, the Warriors are just the. It wasn't. I didn't think it was a, shot, a soft move, but it's just like you know, the rich get continue to get richer in the NBA, and that's how it works like this. Well, then I thought about it and asked myself a question. He's a 6'11", 270-pound big coming off an Achilles tear. We saw what happened when New Orleans didn't have Boogie. They became the best offense, the fastest-paced offense, and made a small run in the playoffs. What? So there's a couple questions that lead to this. A, what is his role? I think when he's healthy, he's going to get eased back into the lineup. When he's healthy, he'll start. There's no doubt about that. 
He'll get touches. He'll get. He'll be. Steve Kerr will put him in lineups where he's the focal point of the offense. Maybe throw him with Clay because Clay doesn't need dribbles, need the ball in his hand. So a Livingston, Clay Thompson, Iguodala. I mean, even Jarebko Cousins lineup. That's something I could see happening where Boogie's just getting the ball and he's getting fed out and just constantly getting fed. And then, so that's the way I see him being used. The other thing is to me, two other things. I'm not. There's a. There's going to be chemistry questions because when there's four, when there's a lot of people that want the ball, you know. I know this. The Warriors are a selfish bunch. You know, KD, Curry, Clay doesn't care for the ball. Draymond wants to pass the ball every time he touches it. But they have never. They haven't had a dominating big man like this who seemingly always wants the ball and is is gets visibly frustrated on the court. Like I can see him and KD. And him and Draymond going at it a lot of the times on court because they're just it's going to be a clash of personalities. And there's a lot of personalities in this locker room as as is because right after they won the title last year, David West said, you know, a lot of people don't know what we went through to get this title. Or I'm not quoting exactly, but he said it, it pretty much said we had a lot of people clash and it took a lot for us to get out of here that happened behind the scenes. And you add Boogie to the mix, who's not really the most laid-back person, maybe he's is with this group and stuff like that, but we haven't seen that because we see him from his time in Sacramento and New Orleans where he wasn't the most peaceful player and had a lot of technical fouls and a lot of complaining on the on the court. Um, but that could have been just a trait, that trait developed through his tumultuous time of constantly losing in Sacramento. The way I see it, I see a little mix of both of them, and I'm interested to see how that dynamic works out. Because right now, it's all fun and games because he's rehabbing. He's not practicing a whole bunch. He's not playing in games, so he's watching the Warriors preseason games, joking around with Draymond and Clay and all in the whole group. And the final thing is, I don't think he's going to be in their closing lineups. The Hamptons 5 is still their best way to win with KD, Draymond, Iguodala, Clay, and Steph. That lineup has... The, that four, that five has been relied on in every single tough situation the Warriors have been thrown into. And they've come out on top almost every single time except for the one title where Iguodala was hurt. That's not an excuse. He wasn't playing 100%. But no one's playing 100% at this time in the finals. But Iguodala was little less than everyone else when they lost that game seven to Cleveland. So... This is really the only thing to talk about because we know that the, the looming KD free agency, will he come back? Clay Thompson's a free agent too. So there's this could be one of the this could be the last hurrah for the core. But Steph is still the core. Draymond's still the core. But as far as KD and Clay, this could be their last hurrah. Boogie's on a one year deal. KD has a one year player option. This is Clay's last year. Who knows what's gonna happen? But for this season, this team is still the overwhelming favorites until proven otherwise, and I don't know who, it's going to take a lot for me to not pick them, but we'll see when predictions come around. Um, anyways, there's, we get to, there's not much to talk about the Golden State Warriors. I feel, I'm not one of those people that's fatigued by them, because we've seen them for four years now, just dominate the NBA, but people are sick of them. But you can't because when they're when this team is humming, they're they're still the best show in town. So let's move on to we have two LA teams, Los Angeles teams to go back to back. But we'll start with the Clippers. And 
It's just a tough, solid basketball team. They finished 42-40 and 40 last year. They had some injuries problems. They traded Blake Griffin. I mean, the injury problems were pretty much forecasted because when you signed in the Gallinari and, Blake, and you have Blake Griffin on the roster and all that stuff, then injuries are going to happen. They also lost DeAndre Jordan free agency to Dallas. Um, but it's just a solid basketball team, top to bottom. Patrick Beverly, if he can stay healthy, he's, I mean, he's as tough a point guard in the NBA. He's going to be defending. He's going to pass the ball. He's going to sh- space the floor. Avery Bradley and them form a nice backcourt duo. Doesn't give you a lot offensively outside of spacing, outside of spacing and shooting, which even that is inconsistent between them. Um, but defensively, they're a really solid backcourt. And you go down to, can Danilo Gallinari stay healthy? I don't know. When he's healthy, he's a very productive player. But he's approaching 30 years old now, and we haven't really seen him put it together for a full season. They picked up Mar- uh, Marcin Gortat, productive center, great screen setter. He's 34 years old. Dang, I didn't know he's that old. Um, him and Boban are probably going to be one of the most interesting um, big man combos in the NBA. Montrez Harrell, just a, a hard worker on the boards. You know, get runs. He's you can you know when Harrell's on the floor because you just see he's just constantly working, running back and forth. It's like a He's like a young Reggie Evans, except I think he's a little more skilled than Reggie Evans. Um, I'm just trying to... Lou Williams is still there, six-man Lou Will. He's going to be coming off the bench, stuff like that. But And Milos Tedadosic is going to be throwing those beautiful passes, smoking cigs at halftime. But the main thing that has people excited... Oh, and they picked up Luke and Bumbate. So there's a, and Wesley Johnson. There's a lot... And, there's a lot of solid players, but I think the three main players in this team are the two guards they drafted, Shea Gildas-Alexander and Jerome Robinson, and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was solid in Orlando, very, very good in Detroit, and was really, really good with the Clippers. And I think he will be their focal point of their offense, their go-to score, the guy they lean on, because he can space the floor. He can play two through four. Maybe even some small ball five if you want to push it like that. But this young backcourt of um, SGA and Jerome Robinson is is everything for them because SGA is highly touted throughout throughout the league. He stood out in summer league without not even playing with great spacing. He's very smooth. He gets to his spots on the elbow. He he's no he's, he knows his strengths and he uses them phenomenally. He's going to be a great defender with his giant wingspan at six six one eighty one and. Jerome Robinson from BC, 65190, he is a he's just a great scorer. So you look you're looking at this combination for the future and you have the outstanding defender, passer, floor leader who's well mature beyond his years in SGA and you have the go-to scorer, the shooter and he can he has the size and athleticism to play defense as well in Jerome Robinson. These guys you know, maybe not now. And everyone talks about the Clippers potentially being like a free agent destination with the Los Angeles and all that stuff. But the Lakers are still there. So maybe if they get their new arena, A, and B, we see development between SGA and Jerome Robinson in a couple years. The Clippers, you know, the Clippers are going to be a 40-win team. 38-42-win to 42 win team, right? The ceiling is that, I think. And maybe they'll, I don't think, people are saying they're going to fight for the playoff spot. Maybe with what's going on at Minnesota and San Antonio with their, with DeJounte Murray going out for the season. Maybe, and Lonnie Walker as well. 
but he's only out six to eight weeks. Not only, but he's not out for the season. Maybe the Clippers can get to that 45-46 win plateau and get to the playoffs. But this team's very well set up to be an attractive free agent destination down the line and be a pesky team this season in the near future. Because if LA, they get that new arena, that's new... That's new. Um, they're out, they're finally not out of the Lakers' shadow, but they're they have their own small identity in Los Angeles, which with opportunities that come from there because it's Los Angeles. So there's opportunities regardless. So this will be an exciting team. They have a lot of lineups that they can throw at you. Doc Rivers completely revamped his coaching style and was people calling for his head and his job. But we saw last year that he's. He's, he's, he's catching up with the times. There's a pace and space to the offense. There's free-flowing. It's beautiful to watch. And I didn't watch a lot of Clippers last year, but I'm going to watch them this year. SGA, Jerome Robinson, Tobias Harris, and Boban, who when Boban gets minutes, he's dominant. He's a menace on the boards. He can shoot over anybody when he's in the post. And, you know, his defense, is, is it is what it is. But you have to live with that sometimes, and throw him in there for 15, 20 minutes a game, and he can get a lot, he can get. You, he had like four, like twenty points and fourteen rebounds in fifteen minutes the other day in preseason. It's preseason, but that just shows you a small clip of what he can do with minutes. So we'll leave one LA team for the LA team that has everyone's attention, and rightfully so. And it's a team I cover, so I'm not going to go into great lengths talking about the Los Angeles Lakers because I've talked to them at nausea. I feel like. And I'm writing my bold predictions piece that will probably run on Friday, October 12th. And looking at that, there's going to be some bold predictions because I think this team is. I think this team is going to be in the Western Conference Finals, and they are going to give Golden State a lot of trouble. I feel like because they they are going to be the epitome of small ball. And the epitome of excitement and just it's I'm it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Lonzo and LeBron, two of the top five passers in the NBA. You have Rondo, who's pro- three of the top five passers in the NBA, arguably on this roster with Rondo, Lonzo, and LeBron. Two of the three or three to five smartest players. You could say the two smartest players in the NBA in Rondo and LeBron. Extremely fun veterans in JaVel McGee, who has already has a rapport with Rondo. They're just getting lobs all the time. And Lance Stevenson, who I don't know if people have been watching the preseason, but he is just he's shimming on people. He's galloping with the ball. He's making no-look passes. He's looking great. And that's off the bench. And then we haven't even talked about the young pieces. I view Lonzo very highly. He changes jump shot. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. So you combine Lonzo with Josh Hart, who will get more playing time this year. Him and KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, will get more playing time this year. And Kyle Kuzma is going to be playing small ball five. And then a guy, in my bull predictions, I'm going to do a little, little, little preview. One of the things I'm saying is that Brandon Ingram will be an all-star this season. Fan vote. We'll put I think he's gonna average twenty eight and five. Twenty eight and three. Twenty points, eight rebounds, eight three is three or four assists. 
I don't know if he's going to be a fan vote, but we know LeBron's going to be a fan vote. We know KD's going to be a fan vote in the West, and probably Anthony Davis. But I'm expecting a massive leap from Brandon Ingram. He's getting to the free. He's getting to the free throw line at will in the preseason. They're calling everything, obviously, but there's just going to be so much space on this floor. Everyone can shoot besides McGee. Everyone has the threat of shooting besides McGee. LeBron, this team plays so fast. LeBron is pushing the tempo every time he gets the ball. He's going coast to coast. He slimmed down for this season to, to fit this to fit this system. And he is just running up and down the on the floor. So the combination of youth with cerebral veterans and space and pace and shooting and uh, people that can just get to the rim at any time they want and all this passing that they have. I don't want to talk. I didn't watch Showtime with Magic and the 80s and the Lakers. But this, I have to imagine this is what it kind of felt like. No Kareem, obviously. And we, don't, and we don't know if they had three or four Hall of Famers like those Lakers have. There's one. There's guaranteed one here. And we, I'm not going to project so this guy's going to be Hall of Famer and this and stuff like that. But this is like a modern Showtime. With the pay, with Lonzo and LeBron and Rondo were all going. Rondo catalyst was the catalyst of the quick of the fastest paced offense last season. He's thirty two, but he still goes fast. LeBron wants to go fast. Lonzo wants to push the ball at any time. Ingram can get to the can go coast to coast in ten steps. It feels like with how long his lunge, how long his um, steps are. Like the main weakness with this team is the center position, and they're going to say, you know what? McGee can we can throw McGee out there for twenty something minutes? Maybe um, Mo Mo Wagner when he's healthy can play 20, 18, 20 minutes. But besides that, Avika Zubak, I'm I'm a little hesitant on. I don't know if he's going to be a factor. But we'll throw LeBron, we'll throw Kuzma, we'll give Ingram some time at the five. Michael Beasley maybe can get some run at the five, and let's just let's just play let's just play basketball. You try to stop us. We have we have big guards that can all play defense, and wings that can all play defense. So we're going to stop you from getting to the rim. That's our way of rim protection. And Julius, they played, the Lakers were phenomenal defensively last season when healthy, when they had Julius Randle at the five. Julius Randle is not the best rim protector by any means. So the over-under for them is 48 and a half wins. 35 wins they won last year with Ingram and Ball missing like 50 games combined. You add LeBron and Rondo and McGee and Lance and another year of Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, Hart. KCP looks good. KCP's not even in his prime yet. I know people. a lot of people were balking at the money they gave him. That's just a, He's just a, a solid defender, and he has no conscience when it comes to shooting and can pull up, and he looked pretty good in the, in the in the matchup against the Warriors, and he looks good, and he can play off the bench. There's just so many matchup combinations that you can throw at them with this team. You can literally deploy LeBron, Ingram, LeBron and Ingram at the point with 6'5", Hart, 6'5", KCP, and Kuzma, or McGee, or there's just so many or there's just so many combinations and I'm so excited for this team. I think that I mean we saw LeBron the Cavs the Cavs have like in the two seasons he's 
come back. Like 16 plus wins as rookie, 20 wins when they won when they went to the finals his first year back in Cleveland, 11 wins plus in Miami. This is the Western Conference, different animal. I understand all that, but it's still LeBron, and there's still a ton, a ton of talent on this team. So I went a little too long on them, and I have about a couple minutes to cover the Kings and the Suns. Let's go with the Sacramento Kings, who. I don't know. I was okay with the Marvin Bagley pick. I didn't I didn't like it because that's where I'm going to start because that's the main thing that happened. The main, pretty much the only move they made. They brought back Ben Malcolmore and stuff like that. But I covered the Sacramento Kings for the for fan-sided to Royal Pain. And the two things that stood out to me were Willie Cauley-Stein and Scott LeBissier. Both looked... Both have the athleticism to hang in the NBA, and Willie Cauley-Stein is a great rim protector, can switch on switch on a small small players in the perimeter, and is an underrated passer, starting to make some elbow range jump shots. He can do some mid-range stuff a little bit. And Skull, he was doing dirk fades. He was doing was solid in the mid-range when I covered them and watched them extensively. And then you draft Harry Giles, a pick I really like. No low risk in the tw- 20th pick. That's a solid pick. It's a very solid pick. And we see how he's coming to health, and he looks great this preseason. He looked great in the summer league. So with those three big men who are Willie Cauley-Stein's 25, Skull's 22, and Harry Giles is 20, why did you draft a 19-year-old project big man? I'm not the biggest Luka Doncic fan. I need to see it to believe it against NBA athleticism, and I need to see it. I'm not into ranking players. I think you draft completely by fit, personally, especially when you have pieces that you like. But can you imagine this team with Doncic, with De'Aaron Fox, who looks great this preseason, Buddy Heald, who looked great, who came on really well last season, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and then you, and then with. I mean, and then you throw Willie Cauley-Stein or Harry Giles or Skull, any of them out there, that's a r- extremely fun team. Really fun team that has a future, has a pair of cornerstone stars, a great role player in Buddy Heald, a very solid role player in Justin Jackson, and then a litany of big men with Willie Cauley-Stein and Skull, and then maybe even a steal the draft with Harry Giles, who was compared to Chris Webber coming out of high school. A They've drafted, I think they've drafted well in the past two seasons, previous two drafts. The Bagley pick really confuses me. And I was a Bagley guy, but this is not the situation for him. There's too many big men. There's not going to be enough. There's not going to be enough minutes for him to get the development he he needs. Unless you're going to throw him down to Reno, go and play at the Bighorns. I think if they're still playing there, I don't know. I think they relocated to Sacramento or somewhere near there, somewhere near there. But I don't know. I don't. And you bring in Yogi Ferrell, who's a fun point guard, but you already have Frank Mason, who's a five eleven guard. Why do you need to sit another short guard? I don't know. That's pretty much the only thing I want to talk about. I mean, they're fun. I, I'm, I'm excited about the Kings. Darren Fox. I love. I've always loved Buddy Heald. Justin Jackson was one of my favorites coming out of that draft because he can do so many things and fit with so many teams. But all that good graces, I feel like, just left me with with this, with leaving, I don't know. I don't know. So, 
that's pretty much my king's thoughts. Because, I mean, it's just, we'll see what happens. We'll see. And they picked up uh, Bachelki, I thought I don't want to pronounce his name, the six foot ten experienced big man, got floor spacer from, the, he was with the T-Wolves, but then he signed with the Sixers, then he withdrew his rights to the Sixers contract, and then went and signed with the, with the Kings. Why? I need another big to take away minutes from, from Harry Giles and Skull and Willie Cauley-Stein and Bagley when you already have Costa Kufis and Zach Randolph on the roster. I don't know. And another team that I don't know what's... I mean, I guess I see what's going on. That's Phoenix Suns. They just fired their GM, Ryan McDonough. Robert Sarver, the owner, is apparently getting closer to the day-to-day operations. James Jones, yes, the that James Jones is likely to be the new GM of this team. And he inherits a team with a lot of young talent with some interesting veteran moves done this offseason. They bring in Trevor Rees on a one-year $15 million contract. They trade for the rights of Ryan Anderson. They got rid of Marquise Chris, a player they just said, we're done. We're done with him. Who I already talked about on on another podcast. I think he's going to do really well in Houston. But that's that's not that's not what we're discussing here, because the centerpieces of this team are Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, two players. Everyone's labeling Booker the next superstar. I'm a lot more hesitant on that. I understand how amazing he is shooting and offensively, but I like to look at defense, and we'll see how that goes. And DeAndre Ayton, who I want to see defend on the perimeter and see what happens when he switched on to someone small. See if he is a great rim protector. See if you can throw the ball down in the post. See what he can do against when he's not dominating Pac-12 big men. And I don't think there's two or three big men that he played in the big in the Pac-12 that were NBA players. Make two the big guy from USC, but and he did well against him. But besides that, the big Pac-12 isn't really known for their big men. And I can't get the image out of my head of him against the University of Buffalo in the NCAA tournament getting torched. Booker, growing in as a ball handler, a pick and roll and a decision maker, competes defensively, but I need to see more. I need to see everything come together. And he's gonna be he's gonna have veterans around him. The point guard they drafted Elia Kobo. Some draft heads like him. Don't know much about him. See what can happen. T.J. Warren, as strong as a bench scorer you're going to have in the NBA, can get to his spots. But and they did the draft trade for Zaire Smith from Mikel Bridges, which seemed like a win now mood. But I th- mood move, but I think he fits around Booker and Aiton better because he's a strong, extremely strong shooter and a great defender. And he's 22, a little more mature than Zaire Smith, who was an 18, 19 coming out. So. I expect this team, the last two teams I just spoke about will be the worst two teams in this conference by far. These are two teams that have no chance of making the playoffs. And I have no idea. what I, It's just, I'm looking at these names and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I it's just a confused. It's just a good. I was okay with what they were doing by bringing in Ariza and like having a veteran presence around this team. But then they brought in Ryan Anderson, 
And I'm like, why don't you just give Chris one more season? One more season with the new coach. Maybe the new coach didn't believe in him. I mean, he believes in Dragon Bender, which is saying something, who's still only 20 years old. But, I mean, I'm getting a headache just talking about just talking about this team right now. So we're going to leave the Phoenix Suns in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference right now. We're going to call it. And that's it for the for the NBA Divisional Summer Reviews. Thanks for checking them all out. I had a great time doing it. I'm going to, like I've said, I'm going to have Western Conference, Eastern Conference previews, hopefully Monday morning. Western Conference will be up Monday morning. I'll try to get the Eastern Conference one up Monday morning. If not, it'll be Tuesday morning. And if it's right after Tuesday, it's cool because it's only a game played. We can do a little reaction. And then after that, I'll probably go once a week with a guest just, you know, talking hoops. And if not, if I can't find a guest, I'll just come here and do a little re- review every single week. So thanks for checking it out. Um, And, yeah, NBA season's here. We are almost there. So have a good week. Whenever you listen to this, and check, don't forget, check out everything on hoopshabit.com. Thanks, guys.